Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Oh, well, hope you had a great week. Uh, for those of you who uh, have been on Facebook, you may have noticed that uh, my wife was in the Virgin Islands while I was at home with a bum shoulder and two demon-possessed puppies. That, but that's not why I'm upset. That's not why I'm upset. Some of you may know that the one trauma I had as a child was that when we lived here in town, we had a neighbor that had a pet monkey. That monkey got out and attacked me. Little two-year-old Matt, cute back then. My father's jeans hadn't kicked in yet. I, 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 I was sitting there, and I was playing outside, and all of a sudden, this monkey jumped on my head and tried to rip out my eyes. True story. My brother Brian saved me. He heard me screaming. He ran over, grabbed the monkey. The monkey turned on him, so he literally took it by the tail and went, Foom, and threw it. So, I'm not on Facebook much, but what does, what do I see on my wife's Facebook feed while she's in the islands? She's holding a monkey. A monkey. Her husband was almost murdered by a monkey. And she's holding a monkey. Same monkey? Don't know. <laughs> betrayal. Absolute betrayal. Ugh. Anyway. Well, um, before we get going, we're going to be in Revelation 2, 8 through 11. Uh, it's going to be short this morning because the message is, is pretty straightforward. And the passage is pretty straightforward. But I do want to say this, um, uh, my mom and dad aren't here, they're on their way to Cincinnati, my mom's uh, sister probably doesn't have much longer to live, and she wanted to see her before she went to be with the Lord, and so they're on their way there, so a little prayer for them if you don't mind. So to recap real quick, um, we're in Revelation, and I know it's like, Matt, we've been in Revelation for for six weeks and we're on chapter two yes uh, this is going to take a while because you know we're going to get through the message of the seven churches of asia but then things get a little complicated uh, from chapter five on we're going to have to unpack some things but just to remind you book of revelation john gets a vision around 64 a.d uh, this is about the time that the emperor of Rome, the, the king of all that he surveys, Nero, decides to blame Christians for the fire in Rome, and he unleashes persecution like the church really has not seen since. I mean, it was, it was absolutely horrendous. And the purpose of the book was to prepare the church for what was to come. 
And it wasn't just saying things are about to get bad. It, it was also saying, but before things get bad, you need to repent. So there, there's seven churches, five of them, Jesus has a message that this church has something they need to repent of or else. Or otherwise, Jesus goes so far as to say, I'll take your lampstand away, which means you'll no longer be a church in my eyes. And if you're not a church in Jesus' eyes, you have a problem, right? And so he only has praise for two churches. And one of them we're going to look at this morning. So here we go. Chapter 2, verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, which was the pastor, the angel can mean, the Greek word means messenger. He says to write this. The first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander by those who say they are Jews and are not but our synagogue of Satan. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, too, how the temple leadership in Jerusalem teamed up with Rome to go after the church. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who has overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Now, a couple things to unpack there. And the first one is this. Notice that Jesus says you're a good church, but you're going to suffer. He says you're a good church, but you're poor. And you're not well-liked. Now, that is the exact opposite message is it not of what we hear today there is a theology out there that says that a church to be successful needs to be big and rich and yet this church is poor and small and about to suffer and Jesus says but you're doing a good job goes against everything we want to hear. I have, um, <laughs> I, I've had lots of conversations with, with people who, they will say things to me like, hey Matt, do you, do you ever think that if we do X, Y, and Z, then we can attract all these people and, and we can have bigger crowds and all this other kind of stuff? And they're like, yeah, we, we can do that. The way to be a megachurch is just to tell people what they want to hear. To tell them that God wants you to be rich, and God wants you to be hot, and God never wants you to suffer. You'll pack a crowd that way. But the problem is, it's not what the Bible teaches, is it? He's telling this church, you're poor, you're hated, you're going to suffer, but be strong, and I will give you the crown of life. Wow. Um, 
the, the thing that haunts me about this is I don't want it to be true either, right? I have said many times, I wish the health and wealth gospel were true. That would be awesome. If I could call down blessings and all this other kind of stuff, I'd do it. But it's not true. Jesus sometimes will work through very large and wealthy churches that are faithful. I don't deny that. I've been in some of them. When I, you know, spent eight years running around um, as a Christian attorney, I know, it's a contradiction in terms, but running around, you know, the nation as a Christian attorney, I, I would go to a lot of churches. I've been to churches like the Village Church in, 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 in Dallas. I, I've been to large, faithful churches. And that is God's will for them. That's not God's will for everyone. It just isn't. And again, as I've said many times, what we have to wrestle with and understand is this. And one of my major responsibilities is this. We have to strive to be the church Jesus wants us to be. Yes? Isn't that the goal? The goal is to be a church where Jesus says, well done. And so you don't get to just hang a shingle up and say whatever you want and call yourself a church, not in the eyes of God. It doesn't work that way. And so sometimes Christians are called to suffer, like this church was. But we're going to talk a lot about that over the next few months. But what really the message here is this. What I've been thinking about is, if this is a church that Jesus praises, he has, he has nothing to say bad about it. Nothing. Nothing bad to say about this church. How do we become a church like that? What, what's it going to take? And <laughs> this, this is irony. This week, while I was sitting home with a bad shoulder and two demon-possessed puppies and my wife was running around the beach with a monkey. Never thought you'd hear that sentence in your life, did you? Um, I was reading a... 900-page book on the church. A couple things. One, your pastor's a dork. Um, and it hit me about halfway through this huge book. <coughs> it's really very simple. The way to be the church that Jesus wants the church to be takes basically two things and they're just not difficult and I don't need to hammer them home much it's really this easy number one believe the Bible is the word of God that's number one be guided by scripture so that nothing else is your guide and anything that contradicts scripture is wrong 
I don't care how you feel about it. I don't care how you think about it. If it contradicts Scripture, it's wrong. Because to argue with Scripture is to argue with God. And that's a fool's errand, is it not? I've been, um, my Bible reading this year, I've been reading along with a couple guys. We've been reading what's called the Murray McShane plan, which is you read through uh, the whole Bible once and the Psalms and New Testament twice. And I've been in Job. I don't know how many of you have read the book of Job. It's long. Um, It's largely poetry, so it's not an easy read. But Job, for reasons we don't understand, God never explains them, God allows Job to go through horrendous suffering. He loses his family. He loses his possessions. All he's got is a wife who says, just curse God and die. Gee, thanks, sweetheart. And three friends who don't say a single correct thing. And at the end of the day, God shows up and gives Job an audience. And so Job has this dialogue with God. And essentially, here's what God says. Hey, Job, can you throw up a mountain real quick? You know, I've, I've, I've made millions of them, Job. Come on, you throw one up. Oh, you can't do that. Hey, Job, you see those eagles flying over there? Can you tell me how they're communicating what they're saying? Oh, no, you don't know that either. And so the message of the book of Job is God wears the daddy pants, and that's just the way it is. And so to argue with him is really stupid. So number one, This is the word of God. We try to live by it. Number two, we just take care of each other. After reading through hundreds of pages of a Scottish theologian on the church, I think he really could have summed it up with an etch-a-sketch. Believe the word of God, and as a church, take care of each other. That's it. That's all there is to it. I know, I know, I know. The devil's in the details, and some people are not easy to deal with. One of my favorite lines I ever heard a pastor say, was I was at a pastor's conference and he he stood up and he said I love most of my church he goes I I know they're all the body of Christ but there are some people I think what are you the appendix you don't really do anything but you might blow up and kill us all I get it I get it If a church does not have that person, just wait. They'll show up. And and then, 
studying the word of God and being guided by I, Easier said than done. Understand all of that. But at the end of the day, after all this time that I have spent and the absolute small fortune that I have spent on books studying theology and biblical study, it really comes down at the end of the day. This is the word of God. This is your church family. Love each other. It's, that's it. That's really it. And I, you know, I've had a complicated history with this church. Uh, as a young man, I didn't care for it much. You know, um, it seemed that my parents were much more concerned about the church than they were me, looking back at the kind of teenager I was. Now I get it. Um, you know, I was, I was a, just a jerk. But I remember telling Dad this one when I was, I don't know, maybe 19. I said, Dad, I'll give you this. I said, I don't believe what you believe. I wasn't going to become a Christian for another six years. I said, I don't believe what you believe. But the one thing I find impressive about Christ Community Church is that it's a loving place. That people love each other and take care of one another. And I said, I'll give you that. But I should have been smarter at the time to know that when that happens, that's a movement of the Holy Spirit, and that means something divine is going on there. I was just, you know, in my father's quote, own words, I wasn't worth shooting. You know, even when I came to Christ, I was a horrible smart aleck. I, okay, I still have some of that in me, but... He t he, when I came to cry, I told mom and dad that I'd become a Christian. And um, he looked at me and he said, well, it's about time. So you never had any direction. All you've done since you were 12 years old is chase skirts. And my smart aleck response, new Christian, said, well, technically, dad, that is a direction. There's the skirt. Here I go. And he said, uh, he looked at me, and I know what he was thinking. He was thinking, whew, still a long way to go. Um, but there were people here, many of which have gone to be with the Lord, who for, looking back, they took care of me, and they had no reason to do so other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Looking back, people like Ray Thompson and, and Mr. Schaefer and Harold Dix, and, you know, they all took care of me. I remember one morning, I'd run away. I was 16 years old. I was crashing on some guy's couch. And there's a knock on the door. And I look up. And we couldn't afford 
curtains, so, you know, look up and there's just person's looking at you. <clears throat> and it was Ray Thompson and Mr. Schaefer. Those of you who don't remember them, they were both cops. And they acted like it their whole life. When I was an atheist, Schaefer would call me and say, you're serving communion tomorrow. He called me Saturday night. He goes, you're serving communion tomorrow. Not, will you serve communion? Schaefer was, you're serving communion tomorrow. I was an atheist serving communion because Schaefer told me to go. I was afraid to say no. But there they were, and they, they walked in, and they said, you know, what, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You know, and at the time, I was annoyed looking back. They were just trying to take care of me. Because I may have been the problem member of the family, but we were still family. And there were many others. Uh, many of you aren't old enough or haven't been around enough to remember Miss Francis, who was something. She was something. She would call me, and this was, there was once a day, young ones, when there was no such thing as caller ID. And, 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 and so you just picked up the phone and you had no idea who was going to be on the other end. And I would pick up the phone and I'd hear, honey, and I'd be Miss Francis and I'd know, oh, okay, I'm not doing anything for another hour because she talked on the inhale, God love her. And she would talk to me and try to talk me into coming into church and all other kind of stuff. And she'd tell me stories about her her life and really her ministry because she just she didn't have any money but she said I, what do you need and, and her ministry was essentially that when my dad would get called in the middle of the night because some guy had gotten drunk and hit his wife or gotten into a fight with his kid or, or whatever she would ride along with him so one he wasn't alone and two she would just clean up the mess and that was her ministry. That's what she did. And she told me some amazing stories. She told me once, she said, I don't know if any of you have ever ridden in a car with my dad. It will increase your prayer life. My dad secretly longed to be a NASCAR driver. Miss Francis told me one of those times when she called, Honey, the Lord rides with your father. I said, he, she, he does? And she said, Yes, he's the only one with the courage to do so. But I grew up with these looking back at the time as a selfish teenager and then as a selfish young man, I got annoyed at that kind of stuff. But it was just people taking care of me. And it's really that simple. I get this question all the time. What is God's will in my life? Matt, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? Read your Bible. 
love each other, that's a good start. That's a good start. What Jesus is trying to tell the church then and his word is telling us today is simply this. That people who know that they have been bought with a price, with the blood of Jesus Christ, they know their life is not their own, are just generally more caring people who just want to give, and you should give. The church of Jesus Christ is a place where we study the word of God and we take care of each other. That's it. We don't need a 12-step process for this. We don't need, you know, whatever. We don't need any of that stuff. Venn diagrams, whatever that is. We don't need any of that stuff. The word of God and love each other. Now, can that be rough? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's all there is. I just, I look back in my life, getting ready to be 52 in a couple months, and looking back, all the trouble that I've had, all the stupid things I've done, I've always had people there would take care of me that I could call at three o'clock in the morning and say I just I gotta get this out I need to talk don't overlook that don't overlook how special that is you want to know how this church survived the horrible persecution that Rome was about to throw at it. They studied their Bible and they took care of each other as family. And when you do that, you have enough people holding your hand or patting you on the back, you can take just about anything. We're family here. Now, I know what the saying is in Appalachia. That, well, but you're not blood. You're not blood relatives. Yes, we are. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what we are. Now, I don't have much more to say, and I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, and like you, I'll sit and watch, and hopefully the Chiefs will win. That's not a shot at you 49ers fans. I love you all, but I hate the 49ers. 
they robbed my Bengals of two Super Bowls, so I hate them. But I'll sit and I'll watch, and today may be like any other day, you know, talk to my wife about what to eat, tell the puppies to shut up, watch the football game, fall asleep, but maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. You never know. I went to the doctor last week. They said everything looks great. I was kind of surprised, to be honest. Cholesterol a little bit high. But other than that, everything looked good. But you never know. You just never know. But I know this. I know that there are many of you that if something did happen, if something did happen today or the next day, and I ended up in the hospital or I ended up whatever, I know a lot of you would be there. And you think about this. I want you to look around for a second before I quit. What else brings this many different people together? Right? And I know so many of you, your backgrounds are very different. So what makes it so that I know that if I end up in the hospital and I just need somebody to sit and talk to me for a minute, I know that even a Browns fan will be there. Okay, maybe not some of you, but some of you would be. And that's something special that God has brought together. Never overlook it. Don't take it for granted. It's something truly special. So I'm going to let you out a little early so you can go and beat the Baptist to Kroger before Super Bowl. But I want you to know this, and I mean this. I love you guys. And it's not because I'm just such a loving person. I know full well the only other person here who could, who could rat on me would be my wife, um, how unlovable I can be. But I love you guys, and I do this because the creator of the universe who knows all died in my place for my sins. For not because I earned anything. And the same is true of all of you who are, have faith. And what that Savior, that Lord, is saying to his churches, what is echoing from the cross 2,000 years later, is if you want to show your worship and love to me, 
love each other. Amen? Let's pray, and uh, who knows, you may get, uh, you'll get the best wings before they raid Kroger. All right? Or wherever you go, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that not only have you saved us, but you've brought us together. You've not only given us your word, and you've promised us eternity, but you've given us a family as well. So may we study your word. May we seek to live it. And one of the ways we seek to live it is just to care for one another. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. God goes with you. And go Chiefs. See ya. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.